I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. Max White, everyone! We're live. We're live. We're doing it. Max White Presents. Um, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, very special guest today, all the way from Colorado. He moved. Uh, Floyd Johnson. How are you doing, Floyd? All is well. Dude, hell yeah. What's it like in Colorado? Uh, sunny. Dude. Uh, people don't really... I didn't even realize how warm it is in Denver, especially in the wintertime. Yeah, they get like over 300 days of sunlight. I just know that from like climbing. It's a pretty nice place. Yeah, it is. You like it out there? I do. I kind of miss coming here from Brooklyn. Yeah. And originally, you know, being from Cincinnati, I kind of miss diversity, though. There's no diversity there. Nah, it's like the white people here, they're cool, but, you know. They're about it. Like the the most diversity you're going to find there is like what trail running shoe they're wearing. (laughs) That's about about it, though. What do you see in that? (laughs) What's that? Everyone has Subarus, dude. They're so Subaru. Uh, it's uh, it's like the Subaru commercial every every block. What do you uh, what do you miss most about going from like Brooklyn to Denver? Like, are you uh, just diversity? Is it just is there still yeah, good art out there? Music, art, um, nightlife. I wasn't. I mean, I'm not really too big into nightlife these days, but feels like I haven't danced in forever, dude. I think New York. You know, it had those gyms in Brooklyn where you go yeah. to Bushwick. Go. I went to remember just going to this one spot called the Mood Ring. Yeah. It was just like carved out in this middle of nowhere in Brooklyn. Yeah. And, the last time you came to, uh, uh, or last time you did the episode or the the podcast, yeah. I think you and I went out to some weird shit in Bushwick. That's just it's, so. it's gone now. Like it's New York oh. City is like Iowa. Like everything closes at ten. Now it's eleven p.m. Like it, it's way different. It's coming back. I hope so, man. Rents are dumping. Like it is weird here. I, I want it to come back. I'm an optimist, but so rents are going down. Down, yeah, huge. Like, uh, like uh, you know, uh, I, I know a lot of people that are getting one bedrooms for fifteen hundred dollars in the East Village, like over three people, which is a lot for New York, you know, city style. Um, what's it doing in Denver? Is it was still, still crazy boomtown? Yeah, it's still going up. Homeless is actually getting worse, and this is one thing that's so weird. I talk to people about this all the time is that I don't see, you don't see homeless people in New York. Like you can walk down the street. You don't see people like hanging out with tents. Yeah. Like the tent city thing for sure. You don't don't see see it here at all in New York and here in Denver, what supposedly is because marijuana became legalized. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a cop fucking response. I know. know. Since marijuana has came legalized. It's a gateway drug guys. Yeah, the cost of living is going to go up by fifty yeah. percent. Jesus, yeah, I know some yuppies out there that are friends of mine that uh, have bought like some insane houses, and yeah. um, I went to visit them a couple years ago. And when I was on their block, I was like, I skated here before, and it was like, I think it's like Capitol Hill or something. What's that area called? Capitol something? Where yeah, that's it's really richy now, and it used to be pretty shitty. Um, yeah. Are you so? What made you originally go? Let, well, first we'll talk about this, like because I. I don't know what box to put you in, nor nor do you deserve no. to be in a box. But I, I associate you with art. Um, we had met through mutual friends in Cincinnati, and then um, you had done Ohio Against the World, which is this clothing line. And beyond a clothing line, it's like a movement. And I would say the peak of that. Well, you have your own peak in your business, but for me, it was when Rihanna was wearing your shit. <laughs> no, a lot of that time. Dude. That's when I was getting like lawsuits from or cease and desist letters from our mess. Yeah, it's the best shit. I was trapping way too hard. Oh. 
Let's go fucking right into that cease and desist bullshit because fucking, okay, so you get the RMS cease and desist, but then Zara directly rips off your plus oh, yeah. taxes shit. Oh, yeah. You know what, man? Being in business, it's it's no no such thing as failure in business. It's just feedback. So I didn't have any formal training or education in business besides doing like marketing at a community college. And you have so many new experiences that you have to figure out how to put the fire out. Mm-hmm. And I know I was like probably around 24, 25 at that time getting these lawsuits, potential lawsuits. You know, I was like, Hey, we want to see your accounting records. We want to see all this information. Yeah. Like freaking out, you know, like, what do I do? What am I supposed to do? But you know, hip hop is like, it's a remix of things. It takes something from the old kind of reinverts it into something new, kind of recreate this thing. And that's kind of like my, uh, my forte when it came to design was just like, hey, I like this. Let me reappropriate this. And I think we had talked about that the last time when Edward was doing Black People Love Us. Uh, that's was fucking, oh, I still have that sticker on my desk. I can see it from here. Oh, that's great, man. And so, like, I mean, we had talked last time. I don't know if this was the conversation we had because I used to call them Monday morning brain trust when we meet for coffee when you still lived here. I really like those. Um, but uh, you, we were talking about Dapper Dan. Oh, yeah. Like when Louis Vuitton just fucking shut that guy down, and I don't even know what what the following up, what the follow up is to that. It reminds me a lot of like the systemic racism, and then like remember when Cristal said like we don't want black people, yeah, and then Jay Z just deaded it, and like yeah, and then the same thing. But now Louis Vuitton is you know like uh, they're fucking they're fucking around skateboarding. Like it's just a weird thing where it's like we will destroy your business until it becomes profitable enough for us to exploit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember that Zara thing with you, like, fucking personally pissed me off. I mean, because it's just like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I worked in fashion when I first got here as like a, uh, like a day job, like working on sets. And the, the height of my frustration of when I still had that day job was like seeing Thrasher magazines on like famous photographers' desk and they're looking at it like it's a fucking, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, like a mood board on Pinterest. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> It's all of how to create this. Dude, yeah, deeply offensive. <laughs> like, with like their Thrasher polo on. Um, but what, what, uh, so, I mean, and then I would say in terms of visibility and recognition, the height of uh, OATW, Ohio Against the World, was when LeBron won the championship in Cleveland and that was right on the arena. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was that like in terms of for your business model and in your life, basically, when that started happening? You know what, man? I, it was great. It was a lot. It was a lot of orders <laughs> and still being small. It's like, how do you handle these, these obstacles? How do you get, you know, you have this shoot, you have one of the best, you know, athletes in the world wearing your brand. How do you one plan for inventory? And then how do you ship? And then how do you do customer service? Yeah. So it's kind of like a gift and a curse, you know, but uh, it was great. I mean, LeBron, he's like the greatest. So yeah, I can't imagine. The, I can't that, imagine though, like what the Google searches were like on your, if you have like a Google, uh, what's the word for it? Like, um, and a Google alert because that yeah. night, I mean, it was just like, I think I was texting you. It was just like, OATW, OATW, like everywhere. Right. And then, um, was that, Cause I remember like, okay, let's go back. Cause like your dad is, was, is a preacher. And then also was like a printmaker, right? Yep. 
Yep. And that's from Cincinnati, right? And so he was very much like an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, right? Yeah. So is my mom. So she's pretty entrepreneurial. Okay. So I just found this out because I was doing some research on you. And uh, wait, so your mom is a language instructor or what? No. My no. mom, she actually works at a methadone clinic. At a methadone clinic. I got bad info. Yeah. Okay. But did yeah. you used to speak German? I did. Okay. So I'm that down for me. So I went to a um, German bilingual school in Cincinnati, okay. Fairview, in Clifton Heights. Uh, my cousins who were like five years older than me kind of went there too before we had started going there. So it was kind of like Cincinnati Public School. I think it was a magnet program, but it was really cool. Really cool to have an opportunity to learn German out of all languages <laughs> at six the, years ago. But yeah. The ugliest sounding. I know it's, it's really difficult. And I always, you know, yeah. I always wanted to go to Berlin and before pandemic kind of happened, that was kind of why Berlin and Amsterdam was on my itinerary. Yeah. But I always, yeah. I hear really great things about Berlin. Yeah. I haven't been before. I've been to Frankfurt and Munich, but I've never been down to Berlin. There's a pretty sick little comedy scene down there and the arts are seem pretty next level. You want to, speaking of travel, you kind of went on this like world tour a few years ago. I remember like, Shit. where, where all did you go? Cause the photos like, the recreation of the Malcolm X photo in front of the pyramids, that shit was oh, yeah. next level. Yeah. I'm gonna shoot that same photo. <laughs> Yo, did you hear about the cop that got that got terminated for saying nigga over a walkie-talkie? <laughs> a black cop. <laughs> Thank you. I was gonna ask. Because the other version happens, I'm sure, every single day in the city. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Know, what, what happened? Or they don't kill a black person and yeah. they still are just on administrative. Oh, God. I just, I I, that's so fucked up. What happened? The dude got, he got, he got fired? Yeah, he got fired. <laughs> got Damn, it's, it's amazing how a black cop gets in trouble for saying it, but then an entire police force can just shoot, <laughs> shoot black people. But it's like, no, nah, they're good dudes. They're just acting out. Um, what made you go from, wait, for, wait, what, what all countries did you go to uh, when you're on that trip? Uh, you know, bang? I just, I did like one trip probably per year, maybe. Yeah. Um, I miss world traveling, man. Uh, I was in Egypt. I just wanted to learn or experience everything from a social studies book standpoint yeah. or a history book standpoint. Um, so I just kind of was like on this kind of like, I think I've always been on this journey of trying to understand who we are as people. Kind of like an anthropology sort of-esque travel experience. Mm-hmm. Just understand like different cultures, different people, and see how people are living on the opposite side of the playground that I'm on. Yeah. And not to take away from any place or anywhere to say any place is better or worse, but I'm glad that I live in America. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think I go America, through, what about, got, you know, I just remember traveling. We both traveled extensively. I remember there was an excitement earlier in the 2000s when I was traveling, particularly during the Obama years. Like I was in China a bunch during that. I was all over the world. And uh, this excitement about like cutting edge and it was so cool. And then now coming back, you know, the first time I gigged in London was two days after Trump was elected. And then I've been back, I don't even know how many times when he was in an office. And it wasn't even like a, I didn't get that too many people being mad about it. It was more like, ah, sorry, dude. Like it was like this like different type of like, I don't know how to explain it. It was like uh, they felt bad that you your brother died in a car accident. Right. Yeah. Kind of were you noticing that stuff as well when you like when you were going around? I think I was in Hong Kong at that time. Okay. North Japan. I think I was in Japan at that time. And I remember going to a magazine shop because they have some of the best 
best magazines and like fashion magazines in, in Japan. And I was just going there to a shop. I remember it's about a huge Godzilla, like that huge Godzilla statue or whatnot. And uh, I would just rem- remember seeing the covers of like illustration of Trump. I can't read Japanese, so I didn't know what exactly it was saying. Yeah. Not Japanese. So I didn't really feel any, besides seeing those kind of like that imagery on magazines, I didn't really, I kind of didn't really give two fucks about who the president was. Yeah. To be honest. It's, it's funny to like nowadays, at least in Brooklyn, to resort back to that. Like I'm not, I'm not getting fried with a million tweets or did you see what he did type thing? Like it's become almost boring again. I know. And you just kind of don't even think about it. It's a nice feeling. It really is. He was, he was, he was entertaining. Yeah, man. Like it was just weird to see like when reality TV wins, that was the scariest part for me. Like, cause he, like, I don't, I'm not a, I don't like reality TV and I'm not saying I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not smart either, but like, I know that when I watch it, I'm fucking dumber an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> and now you got four years of that shit. Um, what made you go from Brooklyn to Denver? Just you want oh, to be around more white people? I think so. so yeah, you were felt too. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I always wanted to live out west. Yeah. And uh, I think California was just like kind of a place that I visited a lot. It was super expensive. And it was just kind of like a typical place that people want to move to when they want to go out west. Don't get me wrong. It's super beautiful. But uh, I... Um, I went to see my niece be born. My sister gave birth to my niece in Atlanta. My sister and brother-in-law gave birth to my uh, niece in Atlanta. So I had went from Brooklyn to Atlanta. And from Atlanta, I had went to Texas to go to Marfa. So I stayed down in a desert down there probably for like two weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I was like, damn, I need some weed. <laughs> so I... <laughs> What it always comes down to. Where can I find? I'm looking at a map. It's like, yo, where can I find weed at? And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I drove north to like Albuquerque. And keep in mind, I don't watch Breaking Bad at all when it first. Yeah. Started. I I was just like thinking about like hot air balloons, like mountains, beautiful suns, beautiful yeah. sunsets. You know what I mean? Not meth, which is all. Not there meth. Is. Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, this is like zombie land. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's amazing how like meth can make a mountain range disappear in the foreground. <laughs> like you're like, uh. So what happened when you got to New Mexico? I've been looking at Santa Fe, man. Like I, I like to I like to fantasize and delude myself, to be delusional yeah. in that I can just like, oh, I'm gonna move to Santa Fe for a few months. <laughs> like, I think that's yeah. what I was illusional pretty much. But yeah, yeah. I got there and it was went to Santa Fe, beautiful place, just super small, you know? Yeah. So I just stayed at like some Airbnb hostels probably for a week. I was like, yeah, this isn't the space. It's just so much of potential down there. Dude, the totally. cost of living is significantly less than, you know, Denver or California or mm-hmm. Phoenix. It's just so much of potential that I can't see. I think it's one of the poorest states. New Mexico is. It wouldn't surprise me just based on alone of the uh, indigenous population. Oh, yeah. Like the fucking reservations are massive. They're not as big as the ones in South Dakota, but like it, it's still a lot of poverty out there. Yeah. So from there, I went, I came up to Denver. I seen Denver was probably like five hours north of where I was at. So yeah. I came up and stayed at this 420 Airbnb. 
which is like, a, it was a real cool experience because it was obviously, you know, kids from all over the place, people from, not even kids, just people from all over the place. Yeah. Like people come to shows to go to the rare, uh, Grateful Dead concert. I think that's the time that I came in July. Yeah. So I think it's it white perfect. kids with dreads? Uh, more so 60-year-olds. Oh. Okay. 60-year-olds with tie-dye. They get a pass. All right. I, yeah. They're like, actual hippies get a pass. Not that I matter. But fucking young kids with dreads? Oh, I, I want to light them on fire. Surprisingly, I don't see too many dreads here. Wow. I know. That's but I don't shocking. I, that was my next question. I, I'm, I'm fucking... <laughs> I don't go to Boulder, though, so... Wait, what's that? Say I don't go to Boulder too much. Yeah, so I bet that I, one. Maybe where it can be... Rife with it. So what was it like Denver-wise when you first pulled into town on that weed search? When I first pulled into town, I was like... And this is when I smoked a lot of weed. Yeah. I was like, weed here let me go and get an ounce let me figure out what i'm going to do so my idea was because i was taking these hacker classes in in harlem a guy from vice magazine who was interviewed for vice it was about data security data data privacy mm -hmm. so i was really getting interested into cybersecurity. so my goal was to, you know get into community college here take some classes for coding and get into cybersecurity track and field and uh I got here, what was that, about in July, and just stayed. You know, I was like, you know, something is, I think we had talked about this too before. It was just like 2020, the year is approaching. I just always felt like something was uneasy. Yeah. In itself. And I knew I didn't want to kind of be in New York anymore. It was just mm -hmm. like way too compact and congested. So I wanted, I never been out West and I never experienced, you know, outdoor lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And when I got here, I just seen people in great shape. You don't really see that much obesity here compared to the Midwest. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are actually taking, you know, steps to stay healthy from a physical standpoint. Also food. There's not really that many fast food restaurants. <clears throat> like when you drive down the street here, which is cool, but just seeing people jogging and then seeing mountains and looking at those mountains is like, dad, this is just waking up to it is. Yeah, there's like this, uh, you can't explain to someone that hasn't been there before, but I, I think of it like a big sky mon uh, mentality, like big sky is Montana, the state, but like, it's just this, this vastness that makes you feel small. And that's what I, the, yeah. like, I'll be, in the, I'll be in the mountains next week and I, I will, the second I get off the plane and like get in the rental car and head out to wherever, like trailhead or whatever though, you just instantly yeah. snap into it and you feel insignificant versus here, okay. it's very crowded, you know? Very non-judgmental as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that I I uh, should work on myself. Um, but I, but yeah, <laughs> oh, so judgmental. Yeah, fucking. It, it takes me about nine thousand feet of vertical gain before I stop being myself in terms of shit talking. <laughs> so like, even on any mountaineering trip or anything that I'm doing, like fucking, it, I, it, I have to beat it out of myself where I don't care. Like, just like open a mountain hut somewhere and you look in, you're like. Ugh. That's that Detroit in you, bro. Dude, it's that fucking West Michigan shithead uh, skateboarder for sure. I want to kill it. Yeah. It's like the the Buddhists say you're supposed to kill the ego, but I don't know. Sometimes I, I like me. <laughs> That's the book that I'm actually reading now is uh, Ego is an Enemy. Yeah. Yeah. By uh, the guy Ryan Holiday, who has a really great podcast, too, by the way. Sorry to plug him, but yeah, just get me out here and then just like, all right, maybe I can start hiking. You know, I never had that opportunity to hike before. Yeah. I mean, I went to Hocking Kills in Ohio, but 
never really and then getting into like i always been really interested in knowing where the fuck i came from mm-hmm. my place in the universe yeah and that is what kind of like inspired me to travel was to see all of these different places did the 23 and me kind of thing my mother was adopted and her mother was adopted really i know so i don't and then i'm black on top of that so i don't know our lineage is so is lost. jumbled yeah it's got to be there's it's Hard. like got to be so disconnected so disconnected. What is so I was like a private investigator in my genetics for a while. What did 23andMe tell you? Uh, that I have 2046 relatives on 23andMe. <laughs> it wasn't specific at all. Like, you know, it's like you got, you got your family, you're like 65% West African, 30% European, and Five percent Asian, I think. I don't know. It was weird. Does it does it talk about specifics of how you were brought here, your family? No, it doesn't. It just doesn't go. It doesn't go near that shit. Doesn't even go into that. I mean, it gives you like it pairs you with like people who have point zero one percent the same genetic strain that I have. Okay. And I, I was just like fucking around one day, and it was like this older like white lady, and I was like, "Hey, what's up, cuz?" <laughs> Cause it's like a messaging platform on it as well, dude. She fucking printed that out and ran to all of her white friends. She's like, I, I told you, I got a second cousin named Floyd. Yeah, I can say the N word. <laughs> Damn, she went hard on that. What's up, Barbara? Barbara right. Johnson. Right. Damn, that's hilarious. <laughs> they uh, um, what? I haven't done that shit before. My mom did the the Nat Geo, the Genome Project. Oh yeah. Yeah, and she was uh, she was like, "Did you know that we're from East Africa?" And I was like, "We all are, mom." Everybody, <laughs> like, that's why I'm like related to everybody on Twenty Three and Me. Yeah, dude, that's like uh It was like you're everybody's from Mesopotamia. Like it's not a city in Georgia. <laughs> we all come from the cradle of civilization. Eventually, what's the so? Have you okay? So you're like you're you're kind of reverse engineering your your makeup biological. Okay. Any big surprises that you found out besides Barbara in Ohio, whoever that lady was? <laughs> uh, no, but I do have this. Susp- I do wonder what is my relationship to Europeans? Yeah, and I don't know if I'll be able to find that out. Um, like in terms of what, like 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 actual relation, bloodline. Yeah, bloodline is, I mean, there is like speaks of, you know, well, it was proven in history that it was documented that, you know, slave masters used to rape their slaves. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that is kind of jumbled along with. Yeah. My That's a uh, keep going. Oh, yeah. That was, or my grandmother on my mother's side who passed away, she doesn't know her biological parents. So I don't know if that was kind of like a mix of. You know, like wait, is your population. is your family that's here now like so your dad's dad, your mom's dad, but your mom your mom's adopted, right? And then her mom was right. adopted. So her on your dad on your dad's side, did they come up from the south? Oh uh, yeah. What's the relationship to like how how they end up in Cincinnati? Because people that don't know, that's the Mason Dixon line extension of it. And it's a very oh, yeah. it's like the Underground Railroad Museum was right across from my apartment. Like oh yeah, right across it's the, right above the Mason most northern southern city there is. Yeah, so like you go, I mean it, it it's like very present in the architecture and and the museum oh, yeah. and just talking to people. Like it's it's I mean they, they I would say they probably had the largest scale race riots 
that are the most recent, right? 2004? Oh, uh, pre BLM. I'm talking about like flat out, like books called race riots about that. 2002, maybe two. Okay. That was a pretty amazing history behind that. Ken Lawson, the lawyer there. Okay. He made these posters saying no justice, no peace. And it was him sitting on a warlord like throne with like two hot girls and like, uh, like a white severed head by his feet. He's a lawyer in town. He's disbarred now, but he's like in Hawaii, I think. What's that? I think he moved to Hawaii. I think. Oh, did he really? He yeah, so, so supposedly he's Ezra Charles' son. Shut up! I didn't know. Yeah, that. I read this random thing when I lived in Cincinnati, and like, I, I don't know if that's true, but uh, he's like Ezra Charles, like one of his um, uh, what's the word for it? Um, what's the nice word for bastard? Bastard child. Yeah, 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 like uh, from a mistress. Yeah, because oh, wow. Ezra Charles, a pro boxer, that's names all over Cincinnati. Anyways, so, so wait, how did they come out from the South? Is it like how far South? Uh, my grandfather is from Georgia. My grandmother was from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I think they met in Tennessee. I don't know. I think they had work. My grandfather had work in Cincinnati or in Ohio. Okay. Where he had a cousin that lived here. Yeah. He had moved here. I want to say moved down to the West End probably in 19... 19- 30s maybe okay so they saw like the peaks and the valleys of the natty for sure yeah yeah Uh, because they got they built the expressway wait they what they built the expressway downtown so it relocated yeah that whole did it um i was reading this about you uh i was went through some of your old interviews in like city beat um Uh, yeah, it was like 2009. Like I didn't know this about you, but I knew you used to organize parties and DJ in the Natty, but I didn't know that you had like organized a lot of the parties in Brighton, which is kind of like the hipster area of over the Rhine, which is in downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. What was that? So did you, did you grow up in those, in that, uh, in OTR or were you North? I I grew up in Mount Arbor. So Mount Arbor was just like North right downtown. Okay. Yeah. Have you been back recently to Cincinnati? Yeah, I actually went back about a week ago for a friend's funeral. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. I'm sorry yeah, to hear your loss. Yeah, yeah, it was it was tough to get over. Yeah, yeah, it was just what? Colorado a couple months ago or January, I think it was. <sighs> what um, what's the net? What's Cincinnati like now? I haven't been in years. Uh, you know, it's still it was COVID when I had went, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really too social. I was just there for her to go to a funeral and fly yeah. back. Uh, but I hear good things. I hear good things that things are happening there. Uh, Cincinnati is a place where if you have an idea, it's probably a great place to get it started at. You know, it's the cost of living there is kind of less expensive than other places in its area. Uh, it has a good demographic. It's not as diverse as probably a New York or a California is, mm-hmm. but it still has, you know, a pretty good. I think it has pretty good potential. I always think about Cincinnati as it's about as small as a big city can be. Oh yeah, because in twenty minutes you can be in cornfields when you leave there. But it's definitely got that like uh, from where I lived on Fourth and Broadway, like like it, you have that city feel. And then it was a lot more dangerous of a place though when I was there. It was like they called it the White Flight because my offices oh, yeah. were in North Cincinnati and Mason, and so I would drive, and it was like a reverse commute. And everyone in my office, predominantly white office, where they were always like, like, you live downtown? No one lives downtown. And they call it like right after the games were done, people would just get in their cars and leave because it was kind of a pretty wild. 
Yeah, I think it's been gentrified a lot. Yeah, right. Right when I was leaving, it seemed to be like just starting. I know over the Rhine was cool, but now from what I've seen is like it looks like like twelfth and Vine. I saw like some photos of some real estate there, and I was like, holy yeah. shit! Like, yeah, it's getting expensive there. Is it really? Oh yeah. Would you? Are you now? You're in Denver now. How long have you been out west? Ooh, three years. Damn. I know. Did I you, didn't really like to stay here this long. You think you're gonna go back east? Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, you know, when you travel for a while, it feels good to get your own spot and get your own bed. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. And maybe I just kind of like fell in love with just being comfortable for a second, but yeah, I uh, just kind of like being on the road, traveling, sleeping back of trucks. You know what I mean? And back of your yeah. rental car. And- oh man, that's my tip. I'm on that hard this last oh, yeah. year. I love that's it. You do it, man. You got to rough it. Dude, I, it's like it's so funny. You get dialed. It's funny because like all these mountaineering trips and like me getting back in the mountains and 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 climbing and everything. Like I uh, I look forward to the time in the rental car, like like the rental van. Like I was just in uh, California two weeks ago, and it's funny because it's like being hypocritic uh, hypocritical traveling right now. But I'm out there like for guiding schools and uh, uh, doing my medical courses, and then um, nice. But it's it's weird because I don't see anybody like other than people I'm in class with. Like I live in a rental car. <laughs> like the only people I'm interacting with are like people at the gas station, and, and in a lot of those places they pump gas for you. So it's like you're I'm in a lot less contact when I'm in my minivan than I am in Brooklyn, New York. Like it's 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 a weird thing to see, and I, I like I, I really love that part of seeing out west and like the grandeur from roughing it in a minivan. Like you just get it's addicting. Have you ever been in like Nevada City? I have. Yeah. It's a really interesting place. Man, it really, dude, a lot of those, you can kind of tell when like the cities have state names followed by city, like California City, Nevada City, like you're in for some shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, when's the last time you were there? I was just there, man. I had went out to Nevada because Tesla was building a, a gigafactory out there. Yeah. And I was just like so enthusiastic about Tesla that I wanted to work there. Okay. So I went out there, applied for a job, got a job. But I flew into Vegas, drove up to Reno. Mm-hmm. And from Reno, I went to LA. Okay. But I had a buddy. I had posted something like, hey, I'm driving through Reno on IG back in the day. He was like, hey, man, you should come to Nevada City. And I didn't realize like it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's it was like going uh, mountains, you know? I was just there in January. Uh I was doing classes in uh Lake Tahoe. Oh yeah. I was staying in Reno, uh like just uh car camping in Reno. Then we went for like a multi-day um backcountry trip skiing. Yeah. And uh dude, Nevada's like and you know, driving from Vegas to Reno, you're going right by Nellis Air Force Base. That's area fifty one. Shut I got pulled over. <laughs> What'd they say? Uh well, because I got to Vegas. Yeah. In Vegas, I got a rental car. And my first stop was at a dispensary, of course. Of course. And I think I had roller blunt, roller blunt. And I probably smelled like weed, but I was like trying to figure out how to get onto the expressway. Yeah. You know, in a tourist, you don't know exactly where to yeah. go to. And the cop was like, it smells like weed here, but you're in a beautiful state in Nevada. Marijuana is legalized. However, you just can't be intoxicated. Yeah. I want to let you go. I was like, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. 
Oh, he was cool. I got uh, there's a there's a there's a town called uh, 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 Tonopah, Nevada. Where I was 17, I lived in California. Um, uh, I was skiing. Uh, I used to live in Mammoth, and I'd drive back to Michigan every spring. And you have to go through. It's the beginning of Route 66, so it's the, it's this desert road that you, every gas station you have to stop and fill up, no matter if you're empty or not, just to make oh, yeah. the like the trip yeah and so i i was just kind of sleepy i was in my uh 91 ford ranger and i uh i just blew through a town like a cowboy town and uh didn't didn't slow down and i got rolled by a a sheriff and it was like a fucking movie floyd like i pulled over i saw him like fuck and he just like did a u-turn pulls me over and i'm like waiting there i have my license and registration and uh he gets out of his car like puts his cowboy hat on like i saw (laughs) a tumbleweed What's yeah. that? No country for old men. Dude, totally. Yeah, I, saw, I swear to God, I saw Tumbleweed go by, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. I remember I had, uh, I had like, weed in the car, and uh, I was like, oh, I'm so fucked. Like, I'm in the max. And I uh, uh, and I actually remember it wasn't even my weed. It was from my friend. Like, you know when you're like, I think I was 18 or 19, you're just like, I had friends in Salt Lake City I was stopping to see. And I was like, they're like, oh, can you bring some weed out? And I was like, yeah, no problem. And I just picked up a bag. Like, I don't know the weight that was in there. I was just being stupid. And yeah. uh, uh, it was 12 pounds off, sir. No, it was like, no, I'm kidding. It was like an eighth. Um, but anyway, it's like the cop gets up and he's like, it's like, you know, uh, you know, you're speeding in my town. Like when a cop says my town, you know, you're fucked. Know, like, yeah. And then he's like, where are you headed to? And I was like, Michigan. And he's like, the state. And I was like, yes, sir. And he's like, ew. And then he's like, get out of here and just let me go. And I was like, like just oh. driving away like, fuck. But so it was like, a, he let you go with an insult. Oh, totally. Yeah. He's like, he just totally sunned me and then let me go. He, uh, <laughs> it was weird though. Cause he, uh, so that area right there, there's a, all these little town like Fallon, Nevada is like a big military base, but specifically uh, Tonopah and that area is the, I think it's the Southern end of Nellis air force base, which is a massive range. And that's yeah. where, like, um, in Las Vegas, there's these white 737s with red stripes, and this is confirmed. They're called Janet Airlines, and it Janet it takes care of all the employees flying from Las Vegas to Area 51. Shut up. And Janet is an acronym for just another non-existent terminal. Shut it's like, up. yeah, it's like our government <laughs> laughing at us. And so all the people that go to work there, they get on these planes in Vegas at LAS airport, uh, which is, I believe it's called McCarran International, yeah. right? And then they fly this and they don't know, you know, no one knows what each other do. Like they just, they get, that's how they get to work. Um, so there used to be a place, and this was in 2001, that you could stop and you could oversee part of Nellis and you could watch the fighters and stuff. Uh, and that's just like, that's like where Broom Lake is, like where all the testing sites are. So there's your... You so ever, do, you, do you believe in extraterrestrials? Absolutely. Yeah. I was, uh, when I was little, I saw one, I was on the news. Um, we were skateboarding at like two in the morning. Yeah. And, uh, uh, my friend Elliot and I, um, were skating and, uh, I just saw this like orb in the air and it was like turning white and then red. And it was really weird cause it's moving around and like, I'm from a family of pilots. So like, I know what airplanes look like. It didn't look like that. And we were younger too. And I remember just seeing a plane turn towards it. And then it just flashed across the sky. And so whatever, we went home, we told like our parents and just were like, oh, this is crazy. And then the next morning on the news, like 10,000 people had seen it in Michigan, like off the coast. And they brought these people called UFOlogists out to interview us. 
because we had called the weather channel or the weather stations. I can't remember who we called, but they sent yeah. out and they put us in independent rooms and like got our story. And I can't remember what type of encounter we had. I think it's the first kind where you just saw it, but they were telling us like, and again, these are UFOlogists. These aren't like government employees. These are just scientists. That are, I think they're probably hobbyists. They're probably on the Joe Rogan podcast, <laughs> but they, uh, they basically were like telling our parents that if we have nightmares, call this number. If we're approached by anyone, like government officials to call this number, like it was, it was crazy. They made a believer out of me for sure. <laughs> what about you? Do you believe in extraterrestrials? I do. I don't think we're alone. I think yeah. we uh, definitely have. When I was down in, not Flagstaff, where was it? Socorro, New Mexico. Okay. Did you remember that movie uh, with Jamie Foster, Deep Contact? Yeah. Oh, you mean just Contact? What's that? Jodie Foster, Contact? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that fucking awesome movie that has a shitty ending. Yeah. Yeah. They have this space down there called The Very Large Array where they shot that film at. Okay, wait, what's it called? Very Large Array. Okay. Array. But it's just like these huge, um, I don't know if they're not, tel- some of them telescopes, some of them like satellites, but they're communicating with, they're taking information and sound from space and recording it all. Okay. But I think we, uh, we live in a huge galaxy and one of many galaxies that thousands of probably galaxies, but I definitely don't think we're the only living organism. We're only living Earth is the only living, you know, yeah. planet of. It seems water. it would be pretty American of us as a planet to think that we're the only thing that's alive. I know. Um, I also, American. I know, I've gone down this like you know, like Bob Lazar. Have you heard anything about him? Or he's always on Rogan. Yeah, I think I heard heard him on Joe Rogan's podcast. Before. He does art. My friend has a piece. It's pretty awesome. Um, but uh, I uh, uh, was like reading some stuff on UFOs years ago. I was kind of getting into it. And the only thing that made sense to me was that apparent making sense is a weird term, but apparently in the 1960s, we were being visited pretty regularly and there were scientists that representing us. And then one night, basically it was like a meeting of like, you know, intergalactic refugees and science people on earth and they would meet pretty regularly. And what happened was some shithead sheriff showed up and was so scared. He discharged a weapon. No one got hurt. But just, but, but just the fact that it was a violent, like violence at all was on our, like in us, the oh, yeah. aliens were like, we don't fuck with you anymore because violence is a very, it's like if all civilizations are in zero to five, let's say in terms of range of enlightenment and, you know, and, and, uh, uh, uh reason like just yeah. being violent at all means you're like fucking an insect. So we don't fuck with you anymore. That made sense to me. Yeah. That's like that movie arrival. Totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I just watched that on the plane, actually. That movie fucking goes. Yeah, that's a really good movie. What do you think they look like? You think they're like humanoid or what? I don't know. I haven't had any premonition or any revelations of what they look like. Yeah. But What's up with the anal probe, dude? You ever seen that movie, um, uh, what is it, Fire in the Sky? No, it wasn't just like people. And it's like, based oh. on that. The, the guy's doing interviews now. He wrote a book, but he basically was like, um, he was uh, uh kidnapped and taken and tested on and then brought back supposedly and they made a movie about it and he got his fucking asshole hammered supposedly the aliens fuck better in sedona <laughs> why i was in sedona and that's when <laughs> yo some bartender was trying to fuck you she's like aliens fuck better in sedona floyd damn alien dick in sedona that's very sedona <laughs> 
Yo, Yo for real though. Crazy, bro. Middle of the night, just this alien appears. You fucking? <laughs> Come on, a little bit. The tip. Uh, I uh, Why not? That's racist. I know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. You know what? I don't know what aliens would look like. You know, looking at. I always been into like nature too, like or animals. And, yeah. Like this morning, I was watching. This is weird when I because I have to eat so much of food now because I'm trying to gain. Yeah. I mean, muscle mass. Like I watch like lions and hippos eat on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Like I want this energy. I want to adopt this spirit. But yeah. I uh just looking like at the animal kingdom, man, and what deep sea is like is I don't know. I don't know if my imagination is even stretched to that limit of even understanding what something could look like that's not that is an alien that is not human. Cause it's some so much a variety of things that we don't even know what Yeah. Like, like all the uncovered species in the deep ocean, right even there. in the Amazon. Yeah, I heard what's his name? Uh, who is a the black guy who's like a scientist? Super Neil deGrasse smart. Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. He was saying that we live in a galaxy of ignorance. Oh, we don't, we don't we don't know anything. Yeah, but he also too doesn't believe in aliens because there's no scientific proof. Yeah, I like that. He man, it's a weird one to think though. Like it'd be an awful waste of space if there wasn't. I know. It would be mind blowing though if you saw one. Like, also, this is something that I always talk about too. Now, I've talked about this on stage, and the shit has never worked. But why is it always the hillbillies that want to see fucking aliens? Like, these people won't let their daughters date a black guy, but they think they can meet fucking Mork from Orc. Like, they're gonna be our representation. Why? Like, just tell us, man. <laughs> We can take the truth, I mean, but like, we you know what happens. You know what happens when you don't show them aliens? They fucking storm the Capitol. That's what happens. What did, what did you think about that? Were you in New York when that happened? No, dude. I was on a no shit. I was on a mountaintop in Lake Tahoe in the backcountry, and my phone was off. And I was with a couple guides and some other guy people yeah. in the class. We're on a fucking ridge. No, I'm not kidding. There's 60 mile an hour winds. It's like blizzard conditions, high avalanche danger. Oh yeah, I'm fucking gripped. And one of the guys is like, yo, anyone want a reality check? And I was like, what? Like, what? What? Like, is the corner going to go? Like, I'm looking around and he's like, I just turned my phone on and the Capitol got stormed. And I was like, that's the last thing I want to fucking hear when I'm 4,000 feet above my car. <laughs> like, I know, sea level, yeah, elevated. It, it was crazy. Like, and I got back to my, my car, my rental car, and turned my phone on. It was just like, where were you at for that, Denver? Uh, yeah, I was in Denver, yeah. I don't know, man. It was, do you realize a fucking Confederate flag went into our capital and that never even happened during the Civil War? I know. That's so... Your history is... Fucking bunch of pussies. I fucking hate them. It, just what it made... Like, w what it made us now of, like, any progression, how far back that took us. Also, it made it's it made a liar out of me because we were just in DC doing shows in November, and I was with my friend Daniel, who's from Norway, and we were walking around the uh, uh, Capitol, and we were talking. I'm like, damn, I bet if you put like one foot on that grass, you'd get arrested. How wrong I was. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Apparently, if you're white, you can just walk up there and just fucking take it. So it was a letdown. What do you think about that shit? It was America. It was very American. <laughs> Very much was. Have you been following any of the court cases? Like the people, like the dude that put his boot up on um, <laughs> Nancy, Nancy 
Yeah, yeah, and now he's saying it's not fair because he's still in jail. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's like yesterday. He like had an outburst in in a court. He's like, it's not fair. Everybody else is getting out. He's like, yeah, they got money, idiot. Damn, dude. And then it's worth it, bro. Well, yeah, fucking. Uh, it's so weird. I mean, it just. I love. I fucking love how fucking. It just shows the hypocrisy in the Blue Lives Matter movement. How it's complete bullshit. Yeah, they don't give I a fuck about all... cops. Like, they crushed a cop to death. Like, it's fucking oh, yeah. crazy. And they're oh, yeah. like, yeah, it's fucking all of these movements. You know, even like this Black Lives Matter movement. I never understood what it meant. Okay. To be honest, like Black Lives, who 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 are who are we telling this to? You know, like who who are we saying that our lives matter to because I'm black? Is it to white people? Is it to Asian people? Like, what is it? What is the purpose of this organization? Where is the money even going to? That's a good point. Yeah, because there's different branches and separate separated, right? There's like who started it, BLM, and then there's like a business side of it too, or is there's I don't know. I never been to a march or a protest. Yeah, I've seen I've seen them here. Um, I've been through them. Um, I, it's what I don't get is well, I get it, but what's frustrating is people like Kaepernick, like fucking literally yeah. throwing away their entire life just too early, and now Nike has fucking equality on their fields, but they don't want to talk about that shit. Like Cap's not mentioned in any of these documentaries. I know the equality piece for Nike is so interesting. But. Yeah, what do you think? Because you're someone that's like. Made some fucking awesome bootleg shit with Nike, allegedly for lawyers listening. Um, but like, what do you what do you see in that kind of equality uh, stance and, and and angle that Nike seems to be running in? Uh, I think they always probably you know try to use the equality standpoint. But I think not only Nike, but I think a lot of these companies are utilizing you know where we at in time and history to yeah. say we want to be on the right side of history, which I don't think is a bad thing necessarily. If it's genuine, I don't think it's bad. But, you know, I don't think things are designed to make money. For sure. And if it's not making money, I don't think it would be such a bug. It would be interesting if, like, now or a few hundred years ago, that, like, Nike would have the Emancipation Proclamation dunk high. <laughs> like, it's like, that's the only thing you can trust is how transparently... How transparent the whole thing, and not transparent's not the right word, how obvious the thing is. Like, like, do you remember that fucking Pepsi commercial where Kendall Jenner cured racism? Oh, I think I remember it. I don't, because I don't have TV and I haven't had TV in like, yeah, since I've been on the move. All so I, I see is everything, which all I see is on YouTube. Like, you know, oh, yeah. it's uh, not having that cable culture coming in anymore, though, but I'm definitely clicking on some random podcast shit. What do, what do you oh. think about podcasts in terms of how news is delivered now? Or not just podcasts, but like call well, it gr- call I, it guerrilla news. I was always interested in seeing how information was being disseminated, and that's yeah. why I really wanted to get like this information in cybersecurity class because I remember taking this class back in Harlem, and I remember there was probably like four or five journalists that was in the class, and they were talking about their anonymity, protecting their anonymity to tell stories uh, to the public. And how to get the information, what sources that they use to disseminate this information. Uh, Unfortunately, I listen to NPR and I had to take a break since December of last year. It just got like OD. So I kind of stay away from news these days. I don't really. It got way too crazy during political with political stuff and a presidential election. 
which is too much. So I don't really listen to too much of the news. I mean, it's Science Friday on NPR. Yeah. So I may listen to see if they went to another place besides the moon and Mars, but yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it. It's interesting in times of like struggle and like domestic struggle and civil struggle, science and religion seem to be the two things that pop back up the most. Yeah. Some people go the, 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 the science route and then some people go, I think more people go the religious route. It's crazy now that like science is perceived as the enemy. Like uh, it, we're going backwards in time. So as far as we think we're going, it's kind of bullshit. I know. Uh, I think I, I like to live at that intersection of both because yeah. I do have a faith. I mean, I kind of like, I think my faith has been tested a lot and it made me more of a believer, but I think science is, science is good. I don't think, I don't see anything wrong with science. I know it's always that question of like the chicken who came first, the chicken or the egg, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we can rule out science just because we, you can be religious too at the same time, you know? Yeah. This seems like it's always better to ask questions and, and, and not be certain. Like people that are certain in any aspect freak me out, quite frankly. No, like I like the, the idea of science and just asking questions and trying to get evidence on that too. But you know, you could also, you know, there's also like science where it's bad, like eugenics. You know, like 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 people oh, obviously yeah. go overboard in in uh, in every area. Tell me about Tesla. So I didn't know you worked at Tesla. No, I didn't. I didn't end up going back to Nevada. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> like fuck this. What do you think about Elon Musk? You know what? I, I, I think uh, he's I, I don't I don't know what to I don't really have a critique on him. Yeah, uh, I think he's I like the way that he's able to take an idea and bring it to fruition. Right. No matter how outlandish it is. Like, I think he was building an underground tunnel in California. Yep. And they spent probably like a billion dollars on it. He was like, all right, we can't do this anymore. It's too expensive. Yeah. But, the boring company. Cool. Man. Yeah. But I. uh yeah, I mean, I think he he's great at what he does. I don't know. I get kind of noited out by the power that these companies start to obtain. And what does that do to the general public? What influence do they have in, you know, politics? Yeah, it's interesting to see like I the parts about Elon Musk that I like are the human parts. Like remember when those miners in Thailand were stuck in the cave and he Oh yeah, he took the boat out raft yeah, out. Yeah, or he he like he he wrote a whole thing up on napkin, but then this like master diver dude said that Elon doesn't know what he's talking about and Elon Musk tweeted whatever you're a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> and like went off on him and I was like that's fucking awesome. I love that he's human. Because Elon Musk just seems like a dickhead, like Iron Man style dickhead, just like, you know, probably dr driven by like curiosity and insecurity versus Zuckerberg is like everything that makes a fucking evil character in a movie. Like, you know, he starts yeah. with this idea of wanting to connect everybody. And now that people are pushing back, he's like, what's your fucking problem? I just want to connect. And, and he's kind of like, you know, he only wears the same clothes every day. Oh, yeah. It's fucking weird. Like, there's something there that's super. That's very off to me. Yeah, cause I guess maybe because you have two different type of personalities. Mm -hmm. You got Elon Musk, who's kind of like you said, kind of curious, kind of upfront with yeah, what he says. But you got Zuckerberg, who's just kind of like he tries to give this image or portray this certain kind of image. You don't know exactly what he's what he's trying to do. You know, he's yeah. trying to see it's for the greater good, but. And like watching him when he was being uh, when he was testifying in the Senate and he was trying to explain how like 
ad revenue works to a bunch of like old senators was amazing. <laughs> like, like the senators are probably the same people that copy and paste that thing on Facebook where uh, it's like, I do not give consent for Facebook. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like ridiculous. I've been on Facebook in forever. What do you think about social media and where it's going? Are you someone that you built a business? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a good platform. Me, myself, I delete the app almost every other day. Facebook or Instagram? Instagram. Okay. Yeah, I try not to be on it. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, but sometimes I have to check in because that's the way I communicate with people like you. Yeah. And other people, it's just like through messaging. So I I do like, I like that, the idea that it is a platform. It gives people the opportunity to kind of like start businesses and all of that. But I don't know. I think there is reality and then there's that. And I think sometimes people can kind of get lost into this whole social media i gotta create content xyz kind of vibe so yeah it's weird to see like the highlight reels because i know i'm guilty of it too like yeah there was a period when i wasn't podcasting and just touring and like just doing comedy that was what my focus was on i wasn't i mean i only got posted in like months and it'd be like some random mountain shit and you see how you just kind of like i don't know and then now with this channel and like building everything up there's something I really don't like about it at all. But then again, like, like, what's that? What don't you like? It's just, it's just this, like, I'm just as guilty now of that hit that subscribe button stuff just because we want, you know, like as much as I hate it, I used to be a baggage handler like that. I, that was a hard job. You know what I mean? Like, like in terms of like de-icing planes and loading bags and over hundred degree oh, yeah. heat, like, like, so Every time I bitch about what I do now, I'm like, well, you could always do the other. And it's not to suede. It's just a matter of like, dude, for like over months after I was done de-icing planes, I could still taste that shit in my mouth, which is just ethylene glycol. It's antifreeze. And Isn't that what uh, Fireball allegedly is made of? What's that? Isn't Fireball allegedly mixed with? It might be. That probably explains why the people that like it are fucking stupid. (laughs) Do you still drink? Uh, You know what, man? I got a friend that's coming to town today, Sarah. She's she's like a skier. She's coming to town today, and I got to pick her from the airport. She was like, "Hey, let's." I was like, "Hey, I can pick you up, but I got to go to CrossFit, so I can't really hang out that long." She was like, "I was going to see if you wanted to get a drink." I was like, "I kind of don't really drink, but I'm kind of a lame man. I don't." I mean. Dude, I noticed that, and I always, I always hit you up uh, when I see stuff that you know, like yeah. you're in the mountains now, and like fucking, uh, we're gonna go climbing together without a doubt. I see you taking interest yeah. in like your body and like getting healthy and health and fucking getting jacked. Um, I know, not a jack person, but someone that's like operates to be as mountain fit as I can be for when I have those trips. Yeah. When I'm in those periods, or even like girl I'm seeing, like like. It, in that time period, she's like, wow, you're fucking, you're in the lame period now. And it's so true. It's like, I mean, from what I used to be to now, it's like, dude, like a wild night is I'll have a deli sandwich, you know, like, like it's just, uh, it's weird. Cause I didn't know what a calorie was until like two years ago. Exactly. I didn't know where energy was. How did we get, how did we get energy? Cause I got tired of just waking up feeling like crap. No so shit, man. Like getting older, I'm 38. Like fucking the hangovers weren't from booze. It was from bad food. Yeah. And it's like malaise. And then, you know, when I first started getting a trail running, which is something I've talked to you, you know, which brought me back into climbing and then brought like weird circle back into skiing uh, with like ski mountaineering. Um, 
Yeah. It was crazy how I, my mind, I was like, why do I feel tired all the time and awful? And then, you know, you see a photo, like I saw a photo of myself on stage and I was like, yo, my cheeks are fat as hell. <laughs> like, really? I, I got that booze face, you know, that's what I felt like. And now making those lifestyle changes is, uh, it's not really a diet. It's just, you just change everything over. I see you doing the same oh, yeah. things. You're kind of going down the fucking like gladiator style though. <laughs> the David Goggins rabbit hole, bro. <laughs> Yo, don't, don't do LSD and listen to David Goggins' interview with Joe Rogan, by the way. Dude, I listen to those and I can't stop laughing because for <laughs> as gnarly as that guy is, why is he always hurt? No, that, that's a good that question. Dude went, that dude had to get ambulanced away from his pull-up contest. He had to get ambulanced away from fucking the Moab 240, which is an amazing race. But um, I love that <laughs> court, uh, that like bravado, like. David Goggins reminds me of like what I call a one beer person. Like they're fun to hang with for one beer, but like yeah, after two, you're like, "Fucking get me out of here!" Shut up. Yeah, you know what? He's I, I. You know what? It's something about his delivery, and maybe I don't know. I listened to his uh, his book through an audio audio book, yeah. and when his interview with Joe Rogan. But since then, I don't know. It's something about the Navy SEALs and their mentality of pushing through, and that pretty much is what inspired. The t-shirt kind of keep going thing is that, you know, no matter where you're going through, you have to get over these obstacles. So it's another guy, Chad, Chad Wright, I think his name is. Okay. He's an animal too. He's a, he's a, he's a runner. He, uh, he was in the Navy SEALs, but he, uh, he does like a lot of running marathons. So okay. I, uh, for some reason, I just listening to their stories and how they overcame things from personal life to professional life was definitely inspiring, you know, to get out. Yeah, there. I like the Goggin story about when he was like, because he was in the Air Force before he was a SEAL. Yeah. He was working for like this, uh, I read his book as well, but he was working for an exterminator. Yeah. And basically his nightly ritual was like, go to 7-Eleven, get this like big gulp. He'd like watch his TV or like just be a piece of shit, basically. That's when he got really big. And then when he, you know, kind of got back into fitness and everything, like there is something that you can't, People can't buy it. You can't fucking rent it. You, uh, to push past your level of comfort and go yeah. real dark, like like a true suffer fest. I've hit it a few times, and this I'm you know again. This is super late in my life. This is relatively recently. You go to some dark places. Oh yeah, and some high places. Like and it's all there's no substance other than sweat. Like you know, it's just in fear. It's um, I like how that. he conveys that message. Yeah, and you get that your endorphins. Once you get those endorphins going, it becomes more addictive than sugar almost. Yeah, I would agree. And I was just talking about this too. I uh, I've been speaking with a, a exercise physiologist and a sports psychologist because I have this fear of heights that came out of nowhere, and like that I've been really cool. working on chasing it down to get better at it through like just minimal exposure, like climbing a little higher, and then. But now I'm you know I was paragliding last week, so or two weeks ago, so it's like trying to get over this thing and, and it was yeah. interesting talking to them about how um how like these limits are in our mind are it's because we're getting older like it's it's it, the sense of mortality isn't fake we're getting we're we're midlife basically and so our mind is basically being like don't do stuff that isn't safe on like a molecular level and so it's so, interesting learning that about and that's how i feel about fitness too is like i always saw those photos of myself and being like damn you don't look good like you just look kind of swollen and 
you know, I'm like, oh, I'm still young. And then you're like, you're not that young. You know, like people have heart attacks in their 40s. We can be delusional. Totally. What are you, what are you finding like that's so rewarding? What's most rewarding, I would say, about your, uh, like, let's call it your journey to fitness? Uh, what do I find rewarding how I feel? Yeah. Way better to work, you know, communicate with, work with other people. I think before I was so isolated. You know, being an entrepreneur is very isolating. For sure. And now I'm doing like the self-development class too here in Colorado. It's something I picked up during the pandemic. Damn. But, uh, yeah, Wait. it's uh, – what's that? Break that down. What's self-development class? Oh, it's from a program called Cross Purpose. Okay. So they'll help you get certificates. And I was like, I just want to learn stuff, but I don't want to go into debt with going back to community college or finishing. Yeah. So – the first six weeks, you start out with a program, like a self-development program, where you kind of like really self-analyze yourself. You look at yourself and you'd be blunt, you know, who you are and where you at and where you want to get to. And at first I was doing uh, training with a soccer coach for strength and conditioning. Okay. And she had gotten sick, I think back in January. And at the same time, I was doing a little bit of MMA training as well. I just knew some shit was going to pop off. I didn't know what it was or what degree it was, but I wanted to be in a position to defend myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's, what's interesting though about that is, is, uh, is that, is that predicated upon what we're seeing in the news in terms of just like oh, civil yeah. unrest? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everybody's like buying guns, you know, it's like, yeah. you ain't got a gun. What are you going to do? And you got this thing called COVID that's happening. We don't know what the fuck is going on. So I kind of went into this dark space. I don't want to say it's dark, but maybe it was a space of like survival. I was really living in like survival mode. Yeah. And uh, I knew that I needed to be able. It all kind of started when I had went to my cousin's graduation at Tuskegee uh, down in Alabama. And a, a speaker, she wasn't a valedictorian, but... She was saying you you exhibit strength by pulling yourself up or pushing yourself down. I think that's how the quote had went. And I realized, like, I can't do pull-ups. Here I am, 32 years old, and I can't do a pull-up. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, am I actually utilizing my potential that I actually have as a person? Am I letting it go to waste? And I think, I think that was kind of like the wake-up call to kind of figure out how I can improve this vessel that I live in. Mm-hmm. And make it better. Yeah, it's like I just know this for myself, and uh, it feels like we started this journey in a pretty similar time frame. Like, but I remember the feeling of partying on Saturday nights here, and I just I've seen every I've seen every side of four AM. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it's That's so fucking fun. Oh yeah, but this new side it was just getting empty feeling, like kind of seeing the daylight, leaving a bar when it's daylight. spending money and you're like, I got nothing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my friends and I love the experience and conversations that were had, but in terms of it's ethereal, it's just gone, you know? And then fast forward to like a year of training and running a lot, you know, like I just cause I'm so blown out my body wise from skateboarding, but you know, I've got no, no ACL on my right knee and, but you know, running 20 miles a week. But I remember this one jump off where it was like Saturday night, probably one in the morning I was running through midtown Manhattan. Nice. And you know that look that people, when they're running, they look like that they're better than you because they're out oh, running? Yeah. That's real. Oh. That's runner's high because I felt way better than anybody, 
anybody else in those clubs, like ran by Tao. Yeah. You're not doing anything that I'm doing. Yeah. This is like, and it's so that's how fucking Michigan I am. My runner's high is just judging other people. (laughs) But Tyson shit. Dude, for sure. Bad intentions. Like that that goes through my head. Like, um, it's also weird too. It's because I see some of my friends now. The hardest part is not to be evangelical about it, at least for me. Cause I get, I get DMS every day from my friends that are like skaters and stuff like, yo, take me up a mountain. It's like, it's not, you can't just start there. Oh yeah. Cause you got the elevation that you got to deal with. Yeah. But it's also too, like there's a mental fortitude that you have it because you've been kind of working on this process, but like it's, it's, there's few sports, sports air quote, where you can't call timeout. Surfing's one. Mm. Mountaineering is definitely one where you just kind of ah, I don't like this, and you put the, the you put it down. You know, these kind of all encompassing things are. It's just interesting to me because, you know, I never, I never. I mean, I've always been athletic, but I never identified as an athlete just because I've always been skinny. Um, but I remember like you know taking a mountaineering course when I was first interested in the knowledge. This is like three years ago with a French guide in, in Whistler, and he was like, "Damn, you're like you're fit," and I was like. It was like the nicest comment I ever had in my life. No, makes you feel a little bit better, right? Yeah, and it it wasn't because I like looked a certain way. It was just because we were in the mountains moving with other people that couldn't keep up. And you're like, oh, this is something you can really work on yourself. Yeah. My uh, One of my goals, man, since I had gotten acclimated to like elevation here was to get back out to Japan and do Mount Fuji. Yeah. And especially get out there to do Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Kilimanjaro is a hike. You know, it's, uh, it would be cool. The, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, low technical, high fucking, you know, aerobic because of the elevation wise, you know, it's a good one. If if you want to do this, which we can do it now because it is open for COVID, there's a mountain called Pico de Orizaba in Mexico. It's an, it's the third tallest mountain in North America. It's 19,000 feet. I was going to go in November and ski off it. Um, but we could go down and do that if you want to. That's fucking – we could just climb it. Yeah, I'll be down for a good climb, man. Yeah. Like, I see you kind of out there in the mountains. What, what have you noticed about – this is something that I, I noticed about mountains in particular. When I come down from climbing or when I get back, I don't think about anything like else. Like, I'm just satisfied. Oh, yeah. I feel super accomplished. Yeah. And, and maybe it kind of is like the same attribute that you get when you get a runner's high. Totally. Have you gotten like a runner's high that like they talk about in the magazines yet? Yeah, I get highs when I do CrossFit. Yeah? Yeah. What's that like? Uh, CrossFit. White people yelling at you. <laughs> Imagine that. And then they charge you money for it. <laughs> and then they like, like uh, then they get I'm the Instagram to, photo I, like, look, <laughs> black people come here too. <laughs> <laughs> no, Yo, the box that I go to is really I mean, Denver is not the most diverse place. Yeah. But I am grateful. Like I heard Jeezy, they played this like Jeezy mix. And I was like, thank God. Yeah. I and like the, uh, I heard this interview with Run the Jewels and they were talking about I guess uh that Run the Jewels <laughs> three album is the most commonly cro- played in CrossFit gyms. And like fucking Killer Mike is like, we don't fucking exercise, but thanks for the money. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> just the asshole in me thinks that like when you're walking into your CrossFit gym, they're like, put on Jeezy. <laughs> like I listen to my headphones here a lot. Yeah. 
just because it's like I sometimes I mean before the pandemic it was so many shows out here like you got a What's Wait, that? say it again? Who did you see? But a rare rocks. I think when I first yeah. moved, I seen Taleb Kweli, Nas, and High Tech and Most Def at Rare Rocks. It was like a night under the stars, but yeah, that was like a surreal experience to be outside in the middle of a canyon, listen to like hip hop that you grew up with. But yeah, that would be amazing. Red Rocks is a cool fucking venue, man. Denver's just got it for shows. What's weird though oh, is yeah. there's not a lot of diversity, but there's, I mean, but technically because of the mexican population oh yeah, it's a yeah. Population. but there's something about gentrifiers and i'm one of them but like it's amazing how they have this ability to like block out actual culture and like make their own in a nice safe area well i think here i think it's a struggle to recreate what that feeling of what developers may have been from New York or they went to New York to see what it's like to live in Bushwick yeah. or Brooklyn. It was like, Hey, let's create this area to be a replication of this. So let's get some graffiti artists down here. Let's do some tags. Let's get these buildings up. And then let's charge people $1,700 for a one bedroom apartment. For, for sure. So it's definitely a plan that I see replicated, but it doesn't feel official. Yeah, you know? man, I, it's weird. I, I need to come in. I'm going to hang out with you there because my friends there love them to death, but it's a very different vibe. Like from me yeah. being a broke competitive skier and we'd always have to go to Summit County like Dylan Frisco mm -hmm. to yeah. compete when I was like 18, 19, and 20. Dude, it was like there was never girls. It was just a bunch of shithead ski kids. Oh, yeah. um, we'd go down the city and get like food and go, kind of go partying. But it was just very like white, whitewashed. <laughs> like ski culture, you know, they call it apres culture, that European ski vibes where it's like white people too comfortable dancing on a deck. Yeah. That kind of like their arms are going a certain way. I'm probably going oh, yeah. to do it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't really go to nightclubs or go to clubs at all. So I don't. Yeah. Because I know what, I kind of know what it is. And I kind of like, this is not what I, the last concert that I went to here was to see Young Dolph. That went up. How it was good? Oh, yeah. They got, I mean, the weirdest thing about like Denver was before and after the weed, like when it came in, like just the switch in the amount of money coming in. Oh, yeah. All the tech companies and finance companies now are investing in weed companies. Like it's the new shit. Yeah, software sales is really big here too. Tech is getting really, really. A lot of people from San Francisco are moving here. Yeah, it's like Denver and Bend, Oregon. I was in Bend in january early january yeah and it was uh crazy a lot of the people a lot of people from silicon valley have bought places up there and yeah. like all the rents have skyrocketed and, they've been the, and the house of price have, have shot up um what's your future like let's uh we'll start wrapping up now but what's um what what, what immediate plans do you have right now is ohew still always yeah, I'm, about to, I'm about to get back into it man getting some uh some products up and getting the website redone and the social media back up, the platforms back up. And I didn't really realize it was like how much people love, <laughs> love the brand until, you know, recently it's, you know, kind of taking that step back and, you know, looking at things over and seeing how people responded to it was like, Oh, I got a, I got family out there. I got a community out there still. So, Oh dude. Yeah. I was like going through the posts today and like seeing, and it's definitely a huge following. And I, you know, yeah. I like, 
there's something ethereal about the brand you've created in that it's not a t-shirt company. It never felt that way. They make, you make t-shirts. Yeah. But it's this whole other thing of like, you remember like, I mean, do you remember you made it, but like the high fashion visors you were making? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also I remember, I remember you talking about like going to canal street and getting shit and then bringing it back. Oh yeah. I ran into uh Chloe 70. Okay. I was uh, coming up to Broadway. I was catching a mega bus from downtown Cincinnati to Chinatown, New York, because Delta Airlines was so expensive because they had a hub at CVG Airport. Mm-hmm. And it was used to be like $600 to get round trip tickets to New York. So I used to catch the Chinatown bus, risk my life to get some hats, <laughs> and bring them back to Cincinnati, disassemble them, reassemble them, and ship them back out. So, yeah. But I remember being doing that one day and I ran into Chloe 70 on Bleecker Street, I think it was. I was like, oh shit. It's Chloe. But I miss having those adventures, you know? And, yeah, the uh, I've never felt it's it's a it's a it's a claustrophobic feeling. Um being in LA a couple weeks ago. That felt more claustrophobic than New York to me just because of cars. When you add cars to the pile, everyone's in a car and you're just kind of on top of each other. Yeah, you imagine that that freedom is just kind of like, you know, those bumping encounters with people. You're like, oh, you just don't really see that anymore. Um, so OAW, uh, OATW, what else? Is this like, are you still kind of exploring coding and uh, the tech aspects? Yeah, I definitely want to continue to explore that. Uh, it's just kind of like finding the right program to get yeah. into. But I'll probably stay in Denver. I said I want to stay here more than five years, and it already got to three years. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I uh, Wherever the wind may blow, but I want to really be intentional. Like you said, we're getting older, you know, not yeah. too far from 40. So I kind of want to start getting like really intentional of what I want, designing that future as I'm designing myself. What does that look like? So. I love that. It's a family, I don't know, but yeah, just kind of um, like just designing, you know, the future. I like. Uh, I asked this before when we did the episode last time, and this is how I always end the the episodes. Um, what advice would you have for anyone starting a business, be it graphics, be it any type of business at all, uh, that you wish you would have known when you first started? Create a solid foundation by having a plan that. You could follow when you get off track, having knowing that you can't you can do anything, you just can't do everything, having those right pillars for assistance to help you kind of manifest that plan, and knowing some sort of having some sort of knowledge of bookkeeping. I think that those are things that I'm kind of like really understanding the importance of now as I'm getting back into it. So right now I'm doing kind of like a bookkeeping certification through QuickBook. So it's a, it's a lot to manage when you start your own company and your own business. I was just kind of like coming from the standpoint, Hey, Hey, I got this idea. I want to create something. Let me put it out there. People respond to it. It's good. But once that idea kind of like grows and grows legs, you have a new obstacle and a new mountain to look at and climb. And every morning I wake up, I go upstairs to my patio my rooftop in our in our building here and a good thing about denver too is that the view of the mountains are not blocked by buildings the skyscrapers so i look at these mountains and i kind of like 
use that as almost as a metaphor for life and also for business. And I say, hey, I got X, Y, Z to do today. This is my mountain. This is my mountain. This is my mountain. And this is what I got to get over today. So taking advantage of knowing how to be open for improvement and feedback, I think is also too important thing in business. Yeah, I can't think of any more solid. I'm going to go a little bit further. I I lied. I got one more question now. Let's extend that to someone that's starting like a journey in health or they want to take control of their own body or vessel, as you call it. What advice would you, uh, would you give them to start out day one shit? Don't be a vegan. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot you used to be. I was like anorexic, man. I was like 130 pounds drinking fruit all day. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) why do I feel so weird? Now you're out here fucking stabbing elk. (laughs) I do want to get into hunting, man. I was doing like some bow and arrow classes. Yeah. I was listening to this special on NPR on one Saturday morning. It was a podcast. I forgot what it was, but it was, they had did this interview. Midnight Gospel is another one of my favorite shows right now, but I love just like how the conversation goes. But it was this lady who was saying that she, she was like this top secret agent, but she wanted to be, she wrote a list of everything that she wanted to be, to execute and be good at it. So she was like a hunter. She did jujitsu. She learned like three languages. Are you still learning languages? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Very shittily. But yeah, I still speak, I still speak Spanish and French is what I work on now. That was good, man. But my Spanish is fucking money. Yeah. (laughs) No, but keep going. I like that. So she's working on all these things. Yeah. She worked on all of this stuff. And for me, that's kind of where when I, when you cross that age of 30, you kind of start looking at life a little bit differently. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't understand what health was. So I kind of like got a trainer, start working out and understanding the food. The trainer didn't really explain to me the diet that I was on, but I was using a like a lot of starch for energy. Mm-hmm. And I think it caused like more inflammation until I switched over to the zone diet. Yeah. Which mostly like protein, carbs like carbs, but yeah, I know like just for me, like being fucking injured all over, broken so many bones, uh, any type of starch or like legume is going to yeah. fuck me up. Like potatoes, oh, yeah. like oh, I yeah, can feel my knees swell. Yeah. yeah. You That's feel how like you know stuff. you're 38 son. You have a fucking potato and your knee hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it was like, we're these like biochemical vessels that are like robots and machines. Yeah. If you don't really know how you don't have any knowledge of yourself or how you respond to certain foods that you eat. It was really something that I was really interested in. I guess biohacking is a lane that I kind of like venture down. It's weird how we're so focused outward that we don't even have control of ourselves. That's what I learned for myself. But then like also like last week, what's our microbiome? We have like these small, molecular things that are actually controlling our guts, which Dude. are like much controlling our minds and body. Yeah. Like it's like, it's such a basic building block. I always think about this too, of like, uh, uh, like uh, goals out in the future is like Himalayan climbs and moving up to ski mountaineering in that oh, atmosphere yeah. in like Pakistan, particularly Karakoram and then the India Kush area. Yeah. 
uh, it would be nice to climb a mountain and not just smoke it. <laughs> but, I know. I'm thinking of like weed right now. Like, yeah, I know the Kush. <laughs> that Kush Valley. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, talking to like some of my mentors in climbing now, these guys have all been to the, you know, 8,000 meter peaks. And you got to leave a month just to get sick when you get there because the flora and fauna and the food just rips you apart. It kills you. It kills you. Yeah. And you're not going to be fucking living off cliff bars for two and a half months. Like you got to, you can't be the fucking white girl, like fucking like, I'm not eating local. Like I'm going to be in it. Like I want to fucking, I want to feel it all, but it's just amazing how something so little can destroy you. I know. So like you run too, right? Yeah. So I'm getting ready to start a run club. And what what tips do you have for me when it comes to running? I'm gonna put you in touch with my friend Olivia. She's the one that's kind of like my mentor. She's like this. Uh, she's a trail runner for Nike, but she started okay. trail trail women BK, and that that's like I have my running jacket with a trail women BK patch on it. Um, nice. She's never ran organized in her life. She won the Queen's Marathon first go, Yo, and then she, she does hundred mile races, fifty mile races. Um, she's fucking badass. But she's like my guru, and I would tell you, she just she'd always send me my plans, like when I was going for like a fifty k or first long distances. Um, shorten your distance and your stride, increase your cadence; it's less injury. Um, uh, a huge part of trail running is actually walking uphill. Running uphill is stupid. Like, <laughs> is that for your joints? Yeah. Well, no, not even that. Like it, it, it just in terms of. Being sustainable for a long time, most high-end trail athletes are actually hiking, power hiking, they call it, like hands on thighs, up hills, um, just to save time and energy. Uh, And then also, I'll send you some stuff on Uphill Athlete, which is who I work with loosely now, Um, uh, not not affiliated with, but just have bought their programs. They talk about the importance of like zone one and zone two training, Um, you know, knowing like the difference between aerobic and anaerobic. Uh, And that's been huge for me because, you know, I'm not fast, but I can go low and slow gear forever, you know? Um, so yeah. that's the biggest thing that I learned was like, cause I would go out and do like, even from Olivia's standpoint, her programs, I can't like, we'll go run 10 miles together and she like, no shit. She'll already have run 10 miles the morning before we meet. Nice. But, I mean, she's just a beast and she's so little and like this tall and you have no idea. Yeah, some uh, of the most, craziest dangerous people to be around because they can go forever oh dude yeah and like courtney DeWalter, who won the moab 240 she's from boulder lives in boulder but yeah. she's this insane trail runner and she was on rogan and it was interesting talking to her because rogan was talking about his friend cameron haynes who's just like you know you know cameron haynes a fucking yeah. deer hunting fucking gnarly guy and he's like you know i lose toenails you know training i run a marathon every morning i don't shit for three days when i'm doing this race and She's on the podcast, and mind you, she won by eight hours, and that's not just for women; that's everybody. Oh, yeah. She's, and she's like, like, like normally, yeah. She, but she, she just goes. She's like, why would he do that to himself? Like, and and like Rogan's like, well, it's not that. She's like, no, I don't lose toenails. Like, what shoes is he running in? And like, no, it's that, it's that female mentality that's like, I think trail running might be the first well-known event where gender is not an equal. Like it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's an ultimate equal thing. Cause people like Olivia are out here winning and, and placing top five. And you know, like I think she did the Vermont 100. I can't remember what it was, but she's doing hundred fifty mile races, hundred K races. Like, and, um, yeah, women are it's fun sh- to go running with her and her whole crew, trail and BK. She'll be on this eventually. But, um, yeah, that's what I learned is just power hike uphill, um, zone one and zone two, uh, trying to think, um, 
Yeah, I mean, just being in the mountains, even like consider like a trail run day, like here I'll go out to Milburn, New Jersey, which is like a kind of a mountainous area. And just when you go out running, don't look at it as a run. Look at it as like just a, a day in the woods or a day in the mountains. Changes your whole perception. You're not, you know, like when I first started running, I was doing like the stuff that was uh, in books, like ultra run patterns and like doing things called speed work or fart lick. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Speed play. And uh, dude, it would just tear my body up, like with my bad joints and my injuries. And then come to find out, you know, I identify more as like mountaineering style. So I'm, I'm, I'm training for that and realize like, oh yeah, if you run fucking eight minute miles over 700 feet of vertical in two hours, your body's going to be fucked up. Like your, your gains are not, are going to be a lot less than the negative impacts they're going to have. Um, How do yeah, you I eat? could go on for a long time about this. No. This shit's interesting. Yeah, I find it super interesting. How do you eat? Last question for me. How do you eat? Uh, like I don't, everything's done fasted, like the okay. workouts in the morning, like, uh, for all the running. Um, so up, up to two, I'll go, I can go three hours like running without eating at all that day of, and that took a while to learn. And I know it bums me, it bums out my friends when they come ski touring with me or if they want to come in the mountains, because like, I'm good to go in the morning. Like it's just, oh, of course. yeah. And then, uh, but then even being on Oregon, my friend that, you know, we just went and did something kind of a smaller objective, but he like had a bacon, egg and cheese in the sandwich, you know, in the morning. And I'm like, Oh dude, you realize we got to walk up a fucking mountain. <laughs> and like, he's like, what? No, I, I, I can't, I need to log on the fire. And he's like, I don't think it works that way. But, um, I mean, just start small and I'll, I'll come out there. I've been saying I'm going to, but I'll bring out yeah. climbing gear for us and we'll go and fuck around on some cliffs and some mountains. Man, I don't um, know if I'm ready for that yet, bro. No, no, because I, I come from a total standpoint of like I'm not a bro at all. Like I like learning incrementally, so we'll do something mellow. And I know you're fitter than I am, and definitely stronger. So like, well, it'll be a fun time. What uh, the biggest thing for me running wise was when the people that I had kind of looked after, like the running clubs here, like Black Roses, had yeah. talked about not using headphones when you run. And at first I couldn't do that. And now I can't listen to music when I run. I just focus on my breathing. Yeah. Have you tried that yet? Uh, no, I need to. Cause I depend on music so much. Yeah. I, think I use it for motivation, but totally. sometimes it, it does get you in a zone to go. But I, uh, I heard a couple of people were saying, I think David Goggins was another person was saying, do not listen to music when you're working out. Yeah. Depend on that. And you can't really hear your breathing, so I get it. It took a while. The boredom would set in. But then I also realized as you start reading about it, like, you know, music is in minutes, obviously. Like a song, say, four minutes long. Yeah. And you, when you're running, you shouldn't do math. Like, you should just be focused on what the outcome is and not the little incremental stuff or you'll drive yourself nuts. Like, when I used to, before I had, like, a Sunto set up, I would run with, like, the Nike running app. And it would be, like, 0.1 miles you run. And you get addicted to that or you've run one mile. And now it's, like... I mean, I ran yesterday. I did an hour just at McCarran because it's my recovery day. I haven't even uploaded it. I have no idea what it was. It's probably four miles. But like you just – I don't think in terms of distance and time any, or in distance, I just think in time. And um, I learned that from when I was in Chamonix, France um, four years ago. This is what started my whole journey with all the mountain stuff. Three years ago? Three years ago probably. But yeah. I was there in November for my birthday, and I'd always wanted to go to Chamonix, which is you know the death the death sports capital of the world. It's like the best place. It's gnarly. But my Airbnb hosts were uh, uh, one was like an ultra athlete, the wife, and um, she I, she's like, "How long do you want to run today?" Because I was trail running, and I was like, oh, "I was going to go like ten miles," and she goes, 
in Chamonix, we train in hours, not in miles or distance. And I was like, whole, oh, I'm in for it. <laughs> like, so I did a, I did a f six hour day and I ran from France to Switzerland. Shut the fuck up. But it was only eight miles, but it was like 5,000 feet of vert. It was still one of the longest mountain days I ever had. And it was like, badass though. dude, it was sick. I got to the border and I didn't have my passport and I just saw the border and I was talking to the guy and it's a pretty mellow border. And I was, he's like, you know, do you have your passport? And I was like, no, but like, I just ran here from Sham and he's like, you can go get a pizza and come back. And I was like, yes, <laughs> it was sick. Um, any final words for what? I really enjoyed this and I want to do this again. We got to follow back up. Yeah. I'm always available, man. Just let me yeah. know when you just keep going. Fuck. Yeah. I, know, I'm, I want my flag. I'm gonna hang it. It'll be in the studio. Send me your address. I will, definitely. Floyd, thank you so much for doing this today. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, you can follow Floyd. I'll put all of his uh, Instagram and links in the bio, as well as updates with his product. Please follow Floyd. And uh, thanks again, Floyd. Have a good day. Thanks, Max. Take it easy, bro. Appreciate it. I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. <laughs>